the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days, or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Praise the Lord, everybody. Ron Geyer back with more End Time Insights. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it very, very much. This is one of the highlights of my week. We love doing this. God's told us to do it. We love talking about the things that aren't spoken about in our churches today, and it's very important. You know, this is a special season. We're about to wrap up the the reign of man on the earth, his 6,000-year reign, and so many things happen right at the end. A, the next step in God's plan would be the rapture, the removal of the church. After that, you've got the manifestation, the revealing of the Antichrist, the seven-year tribulation. If you know what the seven-year tribulation is, then you have a better understanding about why the church will not go through that. It's God's judgment upon a disobedient Israel. And so we want to continue on with our warnings to help prepare you for this time of apostasy in the church, this time of lawlessness in America, this time of anarchy in our nation. I mean, all of these things have been written. Timothy received a letter from Paul. It's 2 Timothy, and it's uh, chapter 3, where Paul talks about, Timothy, i got to warn you. Understand this, Timothy. There's going to be evil times. There's going to be times of great peril. The people who are living in the earth, they'll be at risk, great risk. Uh, Men are going to be fierce. The word for that is the same word that's used with the madman of Gadara that had a legion of demons cast out of him by the Lord Jesus. And so Paul warned him about that, and we want to warn you about it today, too. So I've got a quote here. Uh, I love the commentaries. I've just recently discovered in the last year, it's called Precept Austin Commentaries. I think uh, Brother Garland is the one who organizes it, who puts it together. Precept, P-R-E-C-E-P-T, Austin, A-U-S-T-I-N. It is fabulous. And this commentator, Meyer, is on here. And concerning warning, this is the example that he gave. He says, if the signal man is placed at a point where many lines of rail cross or diverge, and he sleeps at his post, or he neglects his duty, he may be tried for manslaughter if people are killed because trains collide. And if we know of people in our immediate circle of our influence who are in danger of ruining their physical, their moral, or their spiritual well-being, we are bound to raise a warning voice. And that's what we're doing. That is the current aspect, the current focus of our ministry. He then goes on to say, accompanying our words of warning, there should be a clear reiteration of the love of God. I love that. That is just right on. Remember, it's speaking the truth in love. America has counterfeited love today. It's carnal. It's uh, pleasing to man. It's nowhere near close uh, of what God demonstrated 
missing is judgment. Missing is sacrifice. And these things, missing is suffering. And the love of God has been counterfeited. And so we want to be careful. But he goes on to say, accompanying our words of warning should be a clear reiteration of the love of God. He does not desire the death of a sinner, but rather that he should turn of his wickedness and live. It is not enough to try and prevent men from taking the wrong path. We must urge and allure them to take the pleasant ways of righteousness and peace. All are included in the love of God. Even sin cannot turn away God's love. I love it. I love it. I love it. I spoke to you last week that it was my opinion on what I see and what I hear that the great majority of believers are just not ready for this end time persecution of the church. They're not ready for the requirement that they suffer, that they come to know God through their suffering, that suffering is designed by God to manifest to them that they are worthy to enter into his kingdom. And so we're going to give you some scriptures. We're going to break this down. We're going to show you how Jesus warned people. We're going to show you how Paul and Peter warned people. And I want to go to uh, Acts 20, 28 and 29. We briefly touched on this scripture last week. Paul writing, he had gotten the Ephesian leaders together. Uh, He was about to die. He was about to go be with Jesus Christ. He knew it. And so he wanted to give a warning out. The last thing that he wanted to tell them was a warning. Acts 20, 28 and 29. For I know this, says Paul, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Paul knew. Paul knew of the dangers that lay ahead of the church, not only at Ephesus, but everywhere and every when as well. As he spoke to the minister leaders at Ephesus, he warned them of the dangers that he foresaw. He was aware of the dangerous greed that would take hold of many of them. He knew Satan would use greed to take down many of those who he was speaking to right then and there. Verse 29. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. That's right. Paul told them face to face. He confronted them and he told them what would happen after he, Paul, their watchman on their wall would leave them. There would be division. Many leaders would draw saints away from the master flock, which God has established through Paul and the ministry leaders there. Perverseness would be their weapon and it would work. Perverseness in the Greek is called diastrepho, and it was used in secular Greek to describe a piece of pottery that a careless craftsman had misshaped or that had somehow become distorted before being fired in the oven. That's what diastrepho means, and it's a perverseness. Diastrepho in the Greek, it means to twist or to dislocate, to confuse, literally used to describe the twisting of perhaps a fractured limb, a distortion. It's a technical term for the moral corruption of mankind. And notice, this is what perverse speech can do, because that's what he said there. He goes, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. But before that, Paul first in verse 28 uh, of chapter 20, he had a warning for them. He said, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all of the flock. The flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers and Feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. I love that. He knew he had to warn them. He was not only an apostle, but he was also their pastor, their overseer as well. And he was going to fulfill his duty to them. He started by telling them that they needed to watch out first and foremost for themselves. Remember, you can't give what you ain't got. You can't be someone to somebody what you aren't. You must understand you have got to take heed to yourself first 
and foremost. I own a roofing company. If Gaia Roofing is not healthy, then I can't continue to hire workers to do the job. I must be healthy in order to provide jobs for the people that come and do the work. One can't give what one doesn't have, and if they couldn't guard themselves, they would be of no use in guarding the flocks of God. It's important to note that it was the Holy Ghost who made him the overseer of these ministers, and it was the Holy Ghost who made them uh, overseers of their flocks. It's a calling. It's not something that you decide on your own. I don't care if your daddy was a preacher or not. That doesn't mean you're a preacher. You know, it doesn't matter if your daddy was an evangelist. That doesn't mean you're going to be an evangelist. If your daddy was a pastor, that doesn't mean you're going to be a pastor. It's a calling from God. When we make this like the family business, when we make it by copying the model of the world where we train one another carnally to take the next step and walk in the steps of our elders, our parents, that's not quite the same thing as hearing from God. Because I know many pastors, they're gone now and their sons have taken part in ministry and they're just really not called to be there. That doesn't mean you can't be, but you had better hear from God. If you're going to step in that pulpit, man, you had better know that you know that you know that you have heard from God. Otherwise, you're going to destroy the congregation. Hallelujah. We take upon ourselves the liberty of appointing men and women as overseers of God's sheep. There are many reasons why this happened. One, pride, lust for power, carnality, whatever the reason, it puts a church immediately out of order. You know, I'm 70. Wow. I'm 70. I've been a Christian since 1981, so that's 40 years. And I've known two true pastors in my 40 years as a Christian. I've only gone to two churches since I've been born again. Number one was Daddy Osteen, and the other one was Daddy Pigeon. Both of them wonderful men of God, leaders, called by God to uh, build a work uh, that was inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. Both demonstrated the character and the heart of a true shepherd. Nowadays, though, it seems like everybody's a pastor. By the way, both of those churches currently, I believe, have a similar problem, just like many other churches in our city, that neither one has a true shepherd guarding their sheep. And that leads to severe problems within the local body of believers. Yes, we call everyone and everybody a pastor as designated by leadership. And while it carries no spiritual authority when you're appointed by man, it carries no spiritual power with it, it does reveal the totally carnal nature of our current church leadership, and I would dare say the great majority of the churches in America. And here's another telltale sign. Holy Ghost appointed leaders are called by God. Amen. Once they respond to his voice and once they accept that call, you just learned that now this guy knows how to hear from God. God said, I want you to lead this flock. They responded. There you're in good stead. You got a good place to go to. This man responded to God's calling. That's the kind of leader I want. Those churches that closed when the evil government said close, in my opinion, only churches with no pastors called by God closed. Because a true pastor, in my view, would have heard from God and stayed open. The call of God does something to a man. It fills him with courage and commitment, and it manifests in bravery when opposition comes, not fear. I'm going to read you this article. Uh, who wrote it? It is written by, what do you know? I did not give the guy glory. I am so sorry. Hallelujah. Oh, here it is. It's written by Michael Quinn Sullivan, and it is called Cowards in the Pulpit. And he basically says the American pastor has failed miserably, and I could not make a case that goes against that. 
Here's the articles. I'm going to quote, not everything, just going to take uh, two or three paragraphs. Shepherds back in the day were tough, hardy men. They guarded their flocks patiently, passionately, and when necessary, brutally. Among the last things a ravenous wolf or thief would feel when threatening a flock of a pastor's sheep would be the crushing blow of the shepherd's staff or a rock striking his head. The protection of the flock was of paramount importance. The soft shepherds leading many Christian churches today amount to little more than an ironic joke. For the faint applause of the godless elite, they abandon their flocks to the spiritual and physical dangers of the fallen world. It was bad enough when pastors stopped calling out sin. Pulpits have long fallen silent on calling out the fashionable sins of the cultural elite. And when they do, it is with an apologetic tone. They are in such fear of losing donations or even the exalted tax-deductible status of their churches that they mute themselves and they censure God instead of censoring the people that are sinning. Far too many pastors have resorted to the safety of sermons, treating scripture like a second-rate self-help book. The left has been pulling out the threads of the nation's moral fabric with the tacit approval of our clergy. And then he writes, if liberty is to die here, if liberty is to die here, that death will have been preceded by whimpers of ecclesiastical acquiescence. That is so rich. The shepherds of our churches must protect their flocks or go back to hiding under their beds. This is a time that requires physical boldness, not spiritualized cowardice. We need strong pastors. We need shepherds in the pulpits willing to kill the wolves, literally. Now more than ever, America needs a muscular church, unafraid of earthly powers and principalities, and willing to confront them both physically and spiritually. Another word for pastor, uh, and we see this used interchangeably in the Old Testament, is shepherd. And like the author says, these were men of courage and strength. Catch this. When God called David, he wasn't milking cows. He wasn't feeding chickens. He was guarding sheep. And God expects, no, God demands excellence from the many calls. They are here in his stead doing what? They are guarding his children, training his children, teaching his children. Paul says in verse 31, Watch therefore and remember that by the space of three years I ceased not to warn everyone night and day with tears. This was Paul telling these guys, Hey, I've been doing this for three years, man. Twice a day. Morning, noon, and night. Three times a day. The scripture actually says night and day, so we'll just go with two times. But he was calling them to, hey, protect your sheep. They're God's sheep. They're not yours. That's not your congregation. That's God's congregation. And you answer to him, and he's told you what to do. He said, preach the word. Give them the truth. None of this New Age garbage, none of this pagan copying stuff, none of this positive thinking, positive self-help motivational type of sermon. You want to do that? Praise God. You have a right to do it. Get your butt out of the pulpit. You don't do it from God's pulpit. It brought Paul to tears because Paul knew what was going to happen. But for three years, he warned these leaders of what was coming. He warned them twice daily. It was his charge to protect them, and he took it seriously. What was he warning them about? This is so interesting. Number one, he was warning about betrayal. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. For I know this, says Paul, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. He was warning them they were going to be betrayed. And Paul told this to these ministry leaders right to their face. 
How do I know that? Because he says it right there. For I know this, after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you. Also of your own selves shall men arise. That means I'm talking to you guys. And right within this group here, some of you guys are going to draw away disciples after them. You are the grievous wolves I'm talking about. In your face, Savage Paul, he wasn't going to bow down to numbers. He was going to let them know some of you guys are going to betray your people. Another one that he warned them about was demons in churches. 1 Timothy 4.1 Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Many churches have doctrines of devils. Many churches have demons in their pulpit. Demons in their pulpit teach doctrines of devils. And Paul says, I'm going to warn you about that. The Spirit speaks expressly. He's saying this very clearly. There are demons in your pulpits. I am warning you. False prophets and false teachers is another one. And Peter took to warning the saints about this. But there were false prophets among you, among the people, even among what people? Among the church people. There were false prophets among the church people. There were false prophets. Where the church people go? They go to church. There were false prophets in the church, false teachers. Even as there shall also be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that brought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. You know, we don't think nothing of it, but denying the Lord also can translate to denying his authority. And when you're out there promoting a gospel that says Jesus Christ is not Lord in the earth, you know, there's a famous minister and he talks about Jesus Christ is Lord. And I want to add to it because he preaches that Jesus is no longer sovereign in the earth. Jesus can do nothing without the approval and the partnership of man. He can do nothing without partnering with man. That's heresy. And you need to change Jesus is Lord to Jesus is Lord except on the earth today because that's what you're preaching. It, it's amazing. I, I can't believe we haven't recovered from that yet. So demons in churches, betrayal, false prophets, and false teachers in the church. We also have liars. And many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. We take scripture and we deny it. We take scripture and we change it. We take scripture. Perverse teachings. That's what we do. Perverse doctrines. There's not only liars in the church. There's also thieves. Paul is warning us that there are thieves in the church. And this is easy. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you. This is found Second Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 3. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingers not, and their damnation slumbers not. These are people who are going to stand in the pulpit and they are going to talk you out of your money. They're going to be slick. They're going to be smooth. They're going to be syrupy. They're going to tug at your heart. They're going to convict you with their words. They're going to go ahead and put pressure on you. They're going to give you good stories that will make you cry. At the end of the day, they will make merchandise of you because they are covetous. They desire that filthy, what's the word, lucre. They, They want your money. And it's so obvious today. There's a common thread, though, in these uh, one, two, three, four, five warnings. Paul says, I'm going to warn you about this. Peter says, I'm going to warn you about this. There's a common thread in it. What is it? All of these things that are happening, all of these dangers that Paul is warning them about, all of these dangers are in the church. The danger is from the church. 
If you're a Christian and you are not reading your Bible every single day, guess what? The church for you has become the most dangerous place in America. You're going to get lied to. You're going to get stolen from. You're going to hear false teachings and false prophets that are going to bring in damnable heresies. What does damnable mean? It means it has the ability to damn you, to take you out of your place of safety. You know, that's actually the word, the word for deceit that's used most in the Bible is planeo, the Greek word, P-L-A-N-E-O, planeo. And it literally means to move from the place of safety, to cause one to roam from the place of safety. You've got these in your church. You've got liars. You've got false prophets. You've got false teachers. You've got demons up there teaching. And you've also got people that are betraying you. All of this has been written. All of this you've been warned about. It's right there. And this isn't what's happening to you outside of church. These things are happening to you in your Sunday meetings. Despite all the warnings, look what these prophetic voices of Jesus and Paul and Peter said would happen. Remember, Jesus warned us. Paul warned us everywhere. Peter warned us several times. There's also warnings from uh, Jude. There's warning in James. We warned to watch out for deceit. We're warned to watch out for the false. We're warned to watch out for the liar and for the thief. Let's see what happened. In Matthew 24, verse 5, Jesus says, Many are going to come in my name saying, I am the Messiah, or I am of Christ, and they shall deceive Many. We're going to lose many to deceit who are saying that they're representing Christ. Matthew 24, 11, And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. So between those who are saying they're of Christ and between the lies of the prophets, we're going to lose many. First Timothy 4, 1, That in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith. Wow, that's the apostasy. It's called the great apostasy. We're going to lose more than we keep. You have got to be on guard. Pastor, this is a sermon for you. This is what you should be preaching to your people on Sundays and letting them know the dangers that they're in, not out there, but within. That's what Paul said, Second Peter 2, 2. And many shall follow their pernicious or their carnally wicked ways, and we're going to lose many there also. That seems to be a common thread, the common warning from Jesus, Peter, and Paul. Second Thessalonians 2, 3 in the Amplified. Let no one, this is the apostasy, let no one in any way deceive or entrap you. For that day will not come, the return of Christ, unless the great and terrible day of the Lord. For that day will not come until the apostasy comes first. That is the great rebellion against God, the abandonment of the faith by professed Christians. Once saved, always saved. Sorry, Paul disagreed with it. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, the Antichrist, the one who is destined to be destroyed. These are warnings. You know, if these warnings were given to you by Jesus, then I see no reason why I shouldn't give them to you. Your pastor shouldn't talk to you. By Peter and by Paul, if these warnings came from the leaders and the founders of the church of God, then we need to go ahead and pass those warnings along. Let me tell you why. It's so simple. Because if the dangers are present, then the warnings need to be present. Life 101. Dad told me don't play in the street as long as there are cars out there. Well, as long as there are cars out there, there's danger. Well, then dad would tell me every single day. Mom would chastise me several times a day. You know, I surely wouldn't expect any of the false prophets that are out there to tell their people about the dangers of speaking falsely from the pulpit. I wouldn't expect uh, someone that's promoting heresy to warn you about false doctrines. How did God deal with the shepherds who were failing Israel? 
Is there some warning that we can take from his warning to them? Jeremiah 50, verse 6. My people have become lost sheep. Their shepherds have led them astray. Who led them astray? The shepherds led them astray. They have made my people turn aside to seductive places of idolatry on the mountains. They have gone along from one sin to another, from mountain to hill. They have forgotten their own resting place. God's people, they became lost in Israel. And they weren't, but they had become lost because of the shepherds. They were doing fine. And then they became lost. And why did they become lost? Because the shepherds told them deceitful things. The shepherds did not keep them warned about the dangers that were out there. They had caused the shepherd. They pushed them into idolatry. They didn't restrain them from sitting. They had caused them to move away from their places of safety. I've got more for you, but I just want you to go into your church Sunday morning and just think about, listen to your pastors, what they're telling you. Pray with the people. Intercede for your pastors. They really need the covering that you can bring them. And just trust God. Your pastor's called by there. Support them and pray for them. But listen, John said, try the spirits. You are called to try the spirits. Have a great weekend. I'm Ron Geyer. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.